Latin requires that cumulative building over the years of vocabulary, grammar, understanding, mastery, and then speed of recognition. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal here is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So today we are doing part two of why learning Latin is the best way to learn English grammar. And I just think that's kind of contrary to what we would naturally think. Andrew, you spoke about some of the value of learning Latin in terms of so much of the English language has its roots in Latin. You talked about it being consistent and that the way Latin is used is always the same. It's very orderly. Very orderly. And that that it's an inflected language, that we don't appreciate much of that being speakers of English. It's not often that our words change when we have different meanings. You use the example of golf, golf cart, playing golf as a noun, and then to golf as a verb, right? Right. And then you also mentioned the benefit of learning Latin in that you don't actually have to speak it. And I, I can appreciate that because my foreign language of choice in high school was Spanish, as were so many of the people. And I started learning Spanish when I was in junior high in Minnesota, mm-hmm. which you know how often you use Spanish in Minnesota, <laughs> or at least all, all those More many years ago. More now than when you were there. Yes, definitely. But, you know, moving to California, definitely learned a lot more Spanish. But I was always a little nervous about saying it because I was afraid I was saying it wrong. Sure. And you don't have to worry too much about that in Latin. But learning English grammar by studying Latin, you're going to have to help me with this one, boss. Well, when you think about English grammar and the value of knowing English grammar, it's really so that you can understand complex sentences and construct complex sentences that say what you mean. That's true. The more you understand grammar, the more likely you are to be able to read a long, complex sentence Mm -hmm. and actually understand what it's saying. Last episode, I mentioned that charming little book by David Mulroy, (laughs) The War Against Grammar. I don't think you used the word charming. I think you said thin and expensive. (laughs) Thin, expensive, charming, enlightening. We can continue putting (laughs) adjectives on that. But uh, there's a very humorous section where he kind of explains why he wanted to study what was happening in grammar. He's a professor of classics at Mm. the University of Wisconsin. And he noticed that over a period of a couple decades, his students seemed to be less and less able to just read the text and understand the literal meaning of it. Mm. And these weren't stupid students. This wasn't bonehead English. These were people signing up voluntarily to read classics, Okay. to read hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he tried a little experiment, which he reported on this book, where he gave the first sentence of the Declaration of Independence, 
as a bonus question on a quiz and said, you know, for two bonus points, please read the sentence and answer these two questions. Number one, do you recognize this? And if so, where is it from? And number two, in your own words, what does it mean? Now, that sentence, which, as you recall, starts out when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary and it goes on for 72 words. Okay. (laughs) And here's what he noticed. Fewer than half of his college-age classic students actually understood what this sentence meant. Hmm. And he put in the book some very humorous examples of their summaries that really did not at all approximate the meaning of the statement. Now, why? Well, first of all, it's 72 words long. Right. But second of all, the subject of the sentence comes in the very last clause. Okay. So for 60-some words before that, it's subordinate clause, prepositional phrase, subordinate, 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 and it's an elegant statement. But if you can't find the subject, mm-hmm. you can't understand what sure. it means. Sure. And that's when he started to realize these students never learned that skill of parsing mm-hmm. a sentence, of finding the subject and understanding what all the pieces of it were in the placement, because that determines the meaning. Sure. So he then discovered that there has been a concerted war against the teaching of grammar in Mm. American schools for, I guess it would be running now, almost 50 years. And his book is, is documenting that. So when you study Latin, the first thing you have to do when you're trying to read a sentence is identify the subject, and the verb. Right. And in Latin, as you know, Mm -hmm. the subject and the verb have to agree. Right. So if the subject is a person's name, you then have to find the verb, which will be inevitably in the third person singular. And if it isn't, then that name is not the subject or that verb is not the verb. So you, you parse it that way. Then you say, okay, now what is the tense of this? Okay, you're going to have to back up just a second because I know what you mean when you say parse because my boys studied Latin. Yes. But please explain. Well, parse would be to sort out, okay, to differentiate and identify and determine. So you like to do crossword puzzles. I do. And the first thing you do is you look for? The easiest ones. The, the, which are the... <laughs> The corners and the sides, right? right? (laughs) And so you pull out of that the pieces that are going to fit together first Mm -hmm. and create the framework for the whole. Well, sentences are kind of like that. Mm. And the corners that you want to find first Mm -hmm. are the most important parts, which would be the subject and the verb, the thing that is doing the acting and the action that it is doing, the acting that it is doing. And so that then becomes the foundation upon which you can say, aha, now there's an adjective or there's another noun. What is this noun's function in this sentence? Oh, it's the object. Right. Okay, it's the thing being seen, right? Okay, now there's an adjective. Now, the great thing about Latin, 
And one of the reasons it makes such a great language for poetry is that word order is not nearly as important as English. Right. So in English, if you say, Julie ate an apple, it's really important that Julie come first. <laughs> Otherwise, you could accidentally have an apple ate Julie. Right. <laughs> changing the meaning entirely. Well, in Latin, that wouldn't matter which came first or last, because Julie would be in the nominative case, the subject, and the apple would be in the accusative case. Mm. It would be the object. And the verb could go anywhere. Often, in Latin, the verb goes at the end. But that gives poets a great deal more flexibility on how they can put the words into a a rhythm or a rhyme. Mm -hmm. In English, poets have to work a little bit harder <laughs> because they can't just move words for fun without maybe accidentally changing the meaning. Exactly. So, but so reading a Latin sentence is a little bit like a puzzle, and you parse it by finding the things you recognize, then finding something else and attaching it to its proper piece. Okay. So hungry Julie ate the apple. Well, the hungry goes with Julie. It'll have the, the matching ending in gender, case, and number. So you'll have an adjective that would be singular, feminine, and go with Julie. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it were Julie ate the beautiful apple, then the beautiful would go with the apple. Or you could put the beautiful with the Julie, too. But. <laughs> so this, this causes a type of linguistic analysis that you just don't get when you're reading a language you already know. Right. And so this activity then helps you understand that language even a little bit and consequently your own language even better. But you look at, I've seen grammar books. I have seen English grammar books that try to explain case in English to English-speaking people using examples in English, and it makes no sense. Plus, we don't have too many cases, and we don't generally change the words. <laughs> Julian Apple, nominative, <laughs> accusative, ablative. We do have possessive, thank heavens. <laughs> we can tell if it's Julie's apple or the apple's Julie, but <laughs> we don't have in English the richness of those cases, mm -hmm. nominative, genitive, dative, accusative, ablative, the basic cases we have in Latin and other languages mm -hmm. like French, which means another reason, this is on Cheryl Lowe's list, Latin is the best preparation for learning another language. Oh, right. I, I once heard Chris Perrin share this story about his daughter mm -hmm. who studied Latin and then went over to Italy, I believe, mm -hmm. to learn Italian and was accused of already teaching her Italian. Yes. And uh, I think he's also the one that said, and Spanish is just bad Latin spoken quickly. <laughs> I don't know that the no. <laughs> Castilian tradition would appreciate that, but, but certainly any of the Romance languages. But honestly, for me, I think even Latin would be a good foundation for learning Japanese mm -hmm. because of that understanding of case and tense and number and voice and all those things that are very clear in Latin and can be carried over but less obvious, less clear, less able to identify in uh, other languages. 
Well, I have a couple more questions for you about how and when to teach Latin, but I don't want to jump ahead. If you have a few more things on your list of why you think studying Latin is a good idea. Well, it, it kind of pulls off what I was saying about the puzzle mm-hmm. piece, and that is that Latin, studying Latin really is a form of studying logic. Hmm. It's studying thinking. In fact, Martin Cawthron said once that they analyzed it, and there's actually 11 steps that you have to go through in your mind to match the adjective and the noun. Interesting. So you have person, number, case, and declension. And you have to then Mm. have your adjective match that. And if you're reading, you have to match it up to be sure that adjective goes with that noun. And if you're writing it, then you have to sort through all the possibilities and find the right one. I can't help but think of your adjective test, the blank pen. That just seems so much easier. Yes, yes. That is one slightly easier aspect of English. (laughs) English has its own challenges, which we know, of course, working with English as a second language learners. So that it teaches kind of this logical process, Mm -hmm. a little bit like a puzzle. It actually is the first of the liberal arts. What's the second? Logic. Logic. Mm. So studying Latin is almost a preparation for logic. Mm. It's a foundation. If this, then that. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that sound like? That sounds like logic. It sounds like a proposition or a syllogism. And the other thing is... It's grammar that makes logic possible, Hmm. right? If you did not have a subject and a verb, you could not have a premise. If you do not have premises, you cannot have a syllogism with a conclusion. And some people today are arguing that the logic skills of Americans are in decline. Because they're not studying grammar. Either that or because they watch presidential debates, who's to say? (laughs) But certainly there's a thinking quality. Mm. And I don't know the man's name, but the story is fascinating. He essentially invented chemotherapy. Okay. Yeah, he was a a great chemist, Mm -hmm. and he studied cancer, and he spent his whole life trying to cure cancer. Mm -hmm. And he invented chemotherapy, which has saved, of course, lives of people you and I know well. Yes, exactly. And someone asked him, how is it that you got into this? And he said, well, I think it's because I studied Latin. Cancer was just like a puzzle that needed to be solved. Yep. Another relationship with chemistry, Chris Perrin tells this story of a college professor, chemistry professor in the university. He says, what kind of student do you like? He says, Mm. a student who studied their Latin well but no chemistry yet. Oh, interesting. He wow. Said, you teach them Latin, they'll know how to think. Hmm. Then I can teach them chemistry. Hmm. So the crossover is is so universal, whether it's because Latin is the language of sciences, the language of law, the language of, of government and history and theology, or because the thinking process helps develop that cognitive function that then can transfer Mm -hmm. to chemistry, to math. Another application, I met a guy at a conference last summer. He is a senior project manager for Hewlett-Packard. Classically educated young man, studied five or six years of Latin in 
high school, you know, as a student, then went to a classical college and continued to study Latin, mm. and then ended up doing a second degree in computer science. Wow, yep. And at a very young age, he's now risen up quite high in the ranks of Hewlett Packard. Mm. And he gave a talk on how what I learned in a classical education is what made me who I am. Mm. And he said, computer languages change so fast. You know, it's true. A, a short few years ago, he was learning C plus, mm-hmm. and who knows how what's up now. And of course, only really old people even recognize words like Fortran. <laughs> right. Computer languages are constantly changing, but syntax is consistent. Mm. And he said, if you can parse complex Latin and construct Latin, that transfers directly into computer languages with subordination and nesting. Interesting. Yeah. One other thing that I noted, and and I see it now more that I've been teaching for six years, Mm -hmm. Cheryl claimed it, (laughs) and that is that a lot of things we learn are not cumulative, meaning we can learn it and forget it. Right, exactly. History is pretty much like that. You Mm -hmm. can learn something and forget it. A lot of science, same thing. You can learn, you can forget However, there's two things that you cannot do that, math right. and language. Hmm. Those are cumulative. Right. So if you learn multiplication and forget it, there is no way you're going to succeed with fractions. Right. You have to maintain the skill of math right. to be successful, especially when you get more complicated stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the language. You can't learn words and forget them. You can't learn conjugations and forget them. You can't learn grammar rules and forget them and and continue to make any progress. Right. So you have to maintain your mastery, maintain your repertoire. And those two are really the only disciplines academically that we do that very well. I would argue, of course, music Mm -hmm. is a third. And by extension, we should be doing poetry Poetry. memorization. Mm -hmm. But Latin requires that cumulative building over the years of vocabulary, grammar, understanding, mastery, and then speed of recognition. Right. And so that also grows the brain, disciplines the mind. It creates a better intellect. Mm -hmm. So we, as a homeschooling parent, and then my own experience through school, and then also teaching at a Christian school, we focused on studying a foreign language in high school because that's when you got credit for it because that's what the colleges wanted to see. Two years of foreign language, or if you had four years, you didn't have to do an extra semester in college. So when would you recommend starting this study of Latin? Well, Dorothy Sayers, in her essay, The Lost Tools of Learning, Mm -hmm. talked about uh, grammar as a liberal art. Mm -hmm and the ease with which young children can memorize almost anything. Mm -hmm. And so she was pointing out that young children, five, six, seven years old, can memorize Latin paradigms, Mm -hmm. right? They they, They memorize anything they hear. So why not teach them a mo, a mas, a mat, a mamus, a matas, a mant? They can learn that. They don't have to understand second person plural to memorize the paradigm. Mm -hmm. They can memorize the raw information and then later on affix meaning to it. Right. The way children always do with everything in their world. Mm -hmm. They they learn stuff and then they start to understand it. If they had to wait to understand everything before they learned it, 
<laughs> None of us would know anything. Right, exactly. And so with that, Cheryl Lowe created probably the first thing that was available and popular in the homeschool world, which was Prima Latina mm-hmm. for that primary grade level. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? You memorize some paradigms, learn some songs, some prayers. Mm-hmm. You don't have to understand the grammar. You just build the language into the ear mm-hmm. and get used to it. Mm-hmm. We have now Classical Academic Press offers song school Latin. Which I love that because I was thinking about Chris Perrin's program when you were conjugating the verb amo, amas, yes. amas, because that sounds like a song. Yeah, and he's got this horrible video <laughs> on his website. It has this little, do you remember Woody from Toy Story? Yes, of course. It's got a little Woody Toy Story animated, and the background goes, bam, bas, ba, bam, us, batis, bam, bam, bas, ba, bam, us, batis, bam, which is, of course, the endings for the imperfect tense of course yes of, i knew that of the first conjugation <laughs> but you get that in your brain and you're just why did that get in my brain it's like that song that will not leave <laughs> so both of those approaches allow for the exposure to latin at the younger age mm-hmm. then moving into say the upper elementary memoria press has created their form series so first form second form third form fourth form They begin that in grade four, I believe. Mm -hmm. So that's when they start now learning the forms and translating. So you would learn amo amasamat, amamusamatasamant, I love, you love, he, she, or it loves, we love, y'all love, and they love. (laughs) And it's particularly handy if you live in Oklahoma (laughs) or the South because (laughs) y'all is actually a word, whereas everybody else has to wrestle with the fact that you... (laughs) can be singular or plural, but we've got y'all. Yes, we do. (laughs) So then they start to be able to translate. And what's great about Latin is you have one word, and it's a whole sentence, because the the subject can Mm. be included. Which would work for a great dress-up in our system with the VSS. I love, yes. (laughs) So the idea of starting around grade four seems to work very well, because that's when children start to get the abstract mm. a little more easily. Mm-hmm. You try to teach English grammar to a seven or eight-year-old child, most of them, it's so abstract, it just doesn't fit. You mm-hmm. know, I remember one of my daughters did an English grammar program at a classical school, and, and she, could, she could do this. Joe went to the store. Who went to the store? Joe. Joe. Subject noun. What did Joe do? Joe went. Where did Joe go? To the store. To preposition. The store. Where did he go? The object. She could cite this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But then if you say, so what is a preposition? Blank. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So there was that ability to memorize quite nicely, but the concept is a little too abstract. But, you know, children uh, 9, 10, certainly 11, they can start to to really study the grammar of the language. Mm-hmm. And in classical academic press, that's when they have Latin for children. So they kind of correspond. Now with Memorial Press's sequence, Latin first form through fourth form, that's actually designed to take a book called Henley Year One, which is seminary level first year Latin. Wow. And break it into four years. Hmm. So that by the time they are in grade eight, they are now ready for Henley Two. And that would be second level, seminary level type of Latin. You're reading 
Caesar, the Gallic Wars. You're reading big chunks of the original texts. Mm. Uh, and that's a, you know, that's a, a marvelous goal. But there are many other programs available. There's also a certain school of thought that you should not use the kind of grammar first method that is the approach of Henley and Memoria Press. You should have some conversational Latin going. So there's mm-hmm. there's that school, and and really that's that's a subject I don't want to get into. <laughs> but Cheryl wrote a great article. It's available on their website about why the grammar first method mm. is not only the traditional but also the best way mm. to begin your study of Latin. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, I, I certainly agree with that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm six years into it. I don't know if I'm ever going <laughs> to be able to just pick up the Vulgate and read Genesis and understand it perfectly. But it certainly has enriched me mm-hmm. tremendously mm-hmm. to have undertaking the teaching and consequently being forced to learn. <laughs> right, so language. if anybody wanted to take Latin with you, pretty much they'd have to move out here and yeah, well, live I'm, in the Yeah, well, I'm probably going to be retiring soon because <laughs> my kids are all grown. Right. And, and now my students mm-hmm. that I started with six years ago, mm-hmm. they are teaching the new waves of kids in our group. Right. And honestly, Dr. Suzuki had a saying, student must become better than teacher, or both have failed. Mm. In my case, it wasn't too hard, but my students <laughs> are now better at the Latin than I am, mm-hmm. and so I have success. Right, right. Maybe I'll take up Greek. <laughs> and then we'll have another episode to talk about, but we won't be doing that anytime, anytime soon. Anytime soon. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much. This is very helpful. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudois and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on this educational journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.